already feels like people are ready for a move of God tonight. So good. Are you happy to be in church on a yeah. Sunday night? <laughs> so good. How many of you love Pastor Shane and, and Leah? How amazing are these guys? Come on, what are we giving honor where honor is due? We love you guys. We appreciate you. And, uh, you, know, you know, the truth is, the truth is, uh, you know, we were just talking today about the years. You sort of begin to clock on the years in ministry. And, and uh, some of the best kept secrets of incredible leaders are their wonderful wives. And uh, you got to give honor where honor is due. And we, I just want to take a moment to say, Leah, you're incredible. You're amazing. Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, thank you for all the things you do in the hidden places. And thank you for making up for Shane's compromises and uh, all the things and the appointments and everything else you do in secret and plan and I could just see just how you operate even over lunch as we were talking I could just see that you're just Shane's best kept secret so uh, we thank you we honor you why don't we just put our hands together for this wonderful woman it's just amazing to see just all the things you do so uh, praise God for you well I want to talk to you tonight on the topic of the Holy Spirit I don't have anything too catchy, nothing too magnetic, but just a simple idea on the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's sort of not a message. I, I do talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, but it's not a message that I've ever shared before, but this sort of came out to me. And, and, and I want to talk about uh, the Ephesus church. They were Back in the day when they were planting church, the Ephesian church was one of the most significant churches. If I can get the team to just put the lights right in the back, that would be amazing. Uh, you do have very good-looking people here in Roma, so it's, you, you're, you're very, very, easy, very easy to look at. Some churches, I ask them to dim the lights, right? <laughs> so, but not here, so, so that's a compliment. But, but, but uh, you know, you talk about all these churches that we planted, and the, the Ephesian church was one of the most significant churches. And, 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 and as you study the story in the book of Acts, there's a guy called Apollos, and he starts beginning the work of of first gathering a bunch of people and Paul is on a visit there and he and he and he is there's just a few people there but he starts talking to them and that's what I want to talk about tonight Acts chapter 19 verse 1 I apologize to the media team I did not give you the scriptures in advance but I feel you guys are ninjas so you can do it Acts chapter 19 verse 1 it says while Apollos was in Corinth Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So these guys are not even properly a church. They were just a bunch of people coming together. A church plant was being birthed. And then he says to them in verse 2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't yet even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And this is what I want to note. Verse 7, it says, there were about 12 men in all. Verse 8, then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. 
Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and this went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched the skin were placed on sick people. They were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. And I don't want to get into too much detail, but you sort of begin to see the formula or the formation of the early church. That, that sometimes we can, we can read history and we can read about the Ephesian church and later on, for those of you who don't know, this church, this church plan ends up being a church of thousands. But what I want to zone in on is the foundation and the essence of how this began. And the way it began was two things. Firstly, Paul starts talking about the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, he tries to talk about the Holy Spirit and God moves, but then there seems to be like some kind of a rebellion. And the Bible says that there were 12 men that he took privately into a lecture room and for two years started teaching them, which is discipleship. And so there's this thing of discipleship, which is not what I'm focusing on tonight. Pastor Shane's brilliant. He loves discipleship. I'm sure it's part of the essence of what, what he has his heart for this church and the DNA of this church. But, but, but you can see there's a systematic approach to raising leaders. That's the first thing, discipleship. But also there's an encounter that they had. And there are some churches, there's a lot of systems and methodologies and things like that, but there's nothing in it. It's almost like they talk about the wine and the wineskin. Wine's important, but without wineskin, it's not going to hold. Wineskin's great, but if there's nothing in the wineskin, there's no point, right? And so the two work together. But the reality is that what I want to put an emphasis on is Paul's first essential thing was people experiencing the Holy Spirit. And, and I need us to understand this because these guys were already believers, but they hadn't experienced the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that maybe you're here and you're like, well, I've experienced the Holy Spirit. I've had a move of God. I've had a touch of God. I speak in tongues. It's not about categorizing who does or who doesn't. But at the end of the day, Experiencing the Holy Spirit is not a one-off thing. Yeah. It's not, it's not, oh, I got water baptized once, so, and, and so then I spoke in tongues once, and I, you know, experienced God once in 1978. That's not the point. It's, it's that daily refreshing that comes in His presence. Yeah. And, 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 and tonight is about that. Tonight, hopefully for a lot of us, will be an opportunity to get what I call a bit of a refill. An opportunity to experience a bit of touch of God. And, and I want to talk about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. What happens when you experience the touch of the Spirit of God. And you may have the Holy Spirit and you might sort of fill all the prerequisites that I've just read in Acts chapter 19. But I want to talk about something beyond that. That we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is, why He's here. And Jesus says this. He says something interesting. Don't have time to reference any of this so again you might have to fact check this but there's a scripture in the bible that jesus says i must go so that the holy spirit will come yeah. and, and and the whole thing what what he's trying to speak convey there is he's saying that i yes i'm the son of god but because i'm in a human body i'm limited at where i can be i cannot be at too many places at one time but when the holy spirit comes he's available to all of us and we have access to the power of god and so I want to talk about four things that happen when the Holy Spirit comes. Four things that happen. And four things that could happen tonight, and maybe even just, just might be one, one thing that could happen tonight. 
for you that could completely change your world. The first thing that happens when, when, you, when you receive the Holy Spirit or when you have a touch of the Spirit of God is you hear the voice of God. Literally, the voice of God. And I'm not saying that you're going to hear this, this big booming voice, but I like what Paul says in Romans 8, for the Holy Spirit bears witness to my conscience. In other words, through your thoughts, God starts speaking to you. I remember when I was 14 years old and I got saved, uh, my parents never told me to go to church. They did not demand of me to go to church. My mom was, I really honor and respect my mom for that. She didn't sort of say, you must go to church with us. But when I got saved at 14, instantly, two things happened. I'll tell you the second thing, which is quite a story. But the first thing that happened was I instantly fell in love with the local church. Nobody told me, literally, I got saved Back where I was, church was on a Friday. I got saved on a Wednesday. I was in church on Friday. And found my own way. Uh, did, got my own ride, everything. Literally, I fell in love with the local church. And, and this is what happens. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, he, he begins to convict you of stuff. He begins to show you things. He leads you into truth. And, and that is the heart of God. I mean, I love that we've got an incredible pastor like Pastor Shane. But even his heart for you is to have your own relationship with God so you can hear the voice of God and be led by the Spirit of God, obviously under the leadership and guidance of, your, of, your, of the local church. But here's what you need to understand. When the Holy Spirit comes, you begin to hear the voice of God. And I found myself literally from that day on in love with the local church. No one's asked me to serve. No one's begged me to serve. No one's manipulated me to serve. No one's paid me to serve. You just do it because what happens is you just fall in love with the church and so I'm praying tonight, I'm honestly praying tonight that some of us would fall in the love, in love with the church of God again. I'm like, I love my church, yeah, but it's deeper than that. It's understanding the power of the local church. It's understanding that God's heart for the church. God did not say he will build my home. He said he will build his church. Yeah. And so I want to be a part of what he's building, yeah. right? And so when the Holy Spirit comes, that's one of the things that happened. The other thing that happened to me which is quite interesting, well, some of you might not know. I know you might seem very confused uh, when, I, when I say this, but I was not born in Australia. I know, I know it's, like, it's, like, it's like I can't believe it, right? Yeah, yeah. I was born in the Middle East. So I was born in the Middle East, and, and, and I remember I read the book of Acts, and as I was reading the book of Acts, I began to see all these people. They were going to this city. They were going to that city. And I just said, God, what is your plan for my life? Literally, it was like a whisper, and it was, again, a Holy Spirit moment. I heard this voice, at some point in your life, you'd move to Australia and see a move of God. I'd never met an Aussie. I'd never been to Australia. Never, no, did not have any family in Australia. And at the age of 14, there was this thing that began to come in, within me that said that you're going to move. And, and some, of you, some, of, some of us in this room have been in the early part of that journey. You know, when I, I still remember even coming to Australia. I didn't, I didn't come to Australia uh, to, 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 to get a job or to settle or to the whole Aussie dream, as amazing as it is, I literally came here to see a move of God. And I remember even, even coming here, saving up for my tickets. You know, I literally got, I arrived in Australia with $300 in my pocket. And it's amazing what God has done in the last 17, 18 odd years. It's amazing how we have seen incredible things happen. And I say this not to sort of uh, blow my trumpet tonight, but to say to you that when the Holy Spirit leads you, it's amazing the journey He takes you on. You know, begin to speak at the regions and begin to speak at small churches and wherever we have an opportunity and God begin to do one thing and another and got connected with Pastor Colin, got connected with Shane, God, did not know that God was weaving, weaning all of these things to birth 
downpour camp one day, did not know that great things were going to come out of this, did not know the miracles. I remember my first ever miracle service, right? You've got to hear this. My first ever miracle service was in a place called Crow's Nest, right? And, 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 and literally at the first service, there was a guy who was paralyzed. Uh, never, he's been to church three times, twice for a, fu- uh, for, a, for a wedding, once for a funeral. He comes to the church, literally gets radically healed, then gets saved. And, and God used that small meeting, what, what a lot of people would consider a small meeting, for the word to go out about me and our ministry and all that. And it's incredible the doors that have opened over the years. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that God would use a kid from the Middle East to pioneer a church, to plant a church on the north side of Brisbane. It's amazing what we, and I'm not saying this to say how how cool I am. What I'm trying to say is when you listen to the voice of God, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, He drops in a word, He drops in a detail, He drops in uh, an idea, He drops, and it's amazing what begins to happen when the Spirit of God comes, the voice of God. Some of us feel stuck tonight when it comes to hearing His voice. And I'm encouraging you that there will be a moment tonight where God's Spirit will begin to drop something in your heart. It could be a vision, a dream, a little idea. And it may be, and here's the thing, a lot of times it's not something that big. It may be as simple as, you know what, just get consistent with attending church on a Sunday. That, that could be the word you might get. <laughs> you're like, wow, okay. It may be, it may be something as, I know you're like, I'm sort of preaching to the people that aren't here because, you know, you turned up twice today, right? You're amazing. But, but, but it could be something as, you know what, just, 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 just get planted in the house of God. It could be something as, you know, start serving what God, what, what God is doing here. It could be something as small as that because in that seed, the Holy Spirit is leading you to new things. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you begin to hear the voice of God. There's this gentle but sure guidance from God. It's not this big booming voice, but it's this, it's, this, it's this whisper. It's this whisper. And a lot of times I find out that it was God when I look back, when, when I look back over the years. A lot of times it's not, it's not like I heard God and was sure it was definite. It's just a little prompting and you just sort of step out in faith. And all of a sudden you, you take a few steps and you look back and you're like, that was God. How amazing is that? And so I want to encourage you tonight. When the Holy Spirit comes, you begin to hear the voice of God. It might be one little thing that God could drop in your heart tonight that could transform you, change you. Imagine, for, when I was a 14-year-old, once, God is, God, now, there are some people I know, they get like 27 prophecies, three angelic visits, like an email from a prophet in, in the USA, right? I didn't get any of that. God spoke to me once when I was 14. You're going to move to Australia once. Now, fasted about it, prayed about it, but it wasn't like I had 15,000 confirmations. I didn't see someone walking with the flag of Australia. None of that. It's, it's, it's those little steps. He leads you. He'll gently guide you. And I want to encourage you that, that if you are hungry, if you're thirsty, He will speak to you. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll begin to hear the voice of God. The second thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes is you'll get filled with boldness. There's a guy in the Bible called Peter. And as Jesus is about to be crucified, literally a young girl walks up to him and says, you're one of the disciples. And Peter's like, no, no, I, I don't even know who he is, right? He's, he's denying his relationship with Jesus in front of a small girl. And, 
And literally on the day of Pentecost, literally 40 days later, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he stands up and preaches with incredible boldness that 3,000 people get added to the church. How does that happen? How do you go from deny, denying your Lord and your Savior to standing before a crowd of thousands and preaching the Word of God? It's the Holy Spirit. You'll be filled with boldness. Now, He does not just give you boldness to preach. He gives you boldness to apply for that job. He gives you boldness to maybe upskill to go back to university or to complete that course. He gives you boldness to be consistent. He gives you boldness to stay committed. He gives you boldness to turn up when it's inconvenient. Boldness, is, it's not just for the super things. He gives you boldness for, for that business idea. He gives you boldness to step out. You know, for some of you might know, not, not, I, I, I wish I could talk about somebody else, but I know my... The person I know the most is me, so I need to talk about me. That's okay. But I've had, I've had a massive life change scenario. We planted Pioneer, this church. We got this church into a building, and we were just going to get into like slightly holiday mode. But God said, pack your bags, right? So we handed on. And I've been traveling. In the last three months, I've been to 10 countries. And fun fact, I'm not funded by a church. My church does not fund me. I've spent $20,000 on traveling alone in the last three months because air tickets have become very expensive. And I actually don't even know how I'm doing it. I have no idea how I'm doing it. It's just that step of faith. You take a step of faith. You listen to the voice of God. You step out in boldness. And all of a sudden, God begins to bring the provision. God begins to bring the source. God begins to open the doors. God begins to make a way. And a part of that boldness is transformation. Transformation is the process where, where, where well, I'll just give you two stories. Two of my leaders, right? Two of, two of my leaders, since I've handed on the church, there's this one of our guys, and they, uh, I think they'll be okay. They'll be completely okay with me sharing their story. His name is Regan. Before we ever planted our church, he actually never went to a church. Never went to a church, comes to our church, gets saved, gets trained, gets discipled. He literally, his wife, his wife is the first person to say he's completely per- different. He's completely different to the person she married in a good sense, right? Today he's pastoring one of the leading locations in in Brisbane, and it's like it's. I'm not talking about my leadership. It's got nothing to do with my leadership. It's got everything to do with his encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say say to us, one of the greatest leadership strategies we can have is to constantly point people to an encounter. Where God does his business with them, but God takes off that, that shame or that false humility or that, well, I'm an introvert or I'm, you know, sometimes people think, you know, the Holy Spirit's only for extroverts. You know, it does not say that when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the book of Acts that it was only the extroverts that got filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in unknown tongues. It was all of them. Holy Spirit came upon all of them. I want to encourage you tonight. Yes, you may have a personality, and, and I'm not saying that you need to be something or someone else, but let's step in tonight. Let's, let's even weave off our preferences and say, you know what, God, I, I want everything that you have for me. I don't want my preference. I'm not going to approach your presence like it's a menu that I get to order from. You know, I, I'll, have, I'll, have, I'll have the burger, but, you know, no, no lettuce, no tomato, no, no, you know, uh, sweet potato fries. No, let's, not, let's not approach God's prayer presence that way let's say I want all that you have for me there are so many things that if I if I had my preference 
I would not be walking in today. It was just the simple cry that said, God, I'm willing to be obedient. I'm willing to look a bit foolish if that's what's needed. If, if that's going to fulfill what's on your heart for the people around me, let's be a church that says, you know what, God, I'm going to step into everything that you have for me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I'm going to hear your voice. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to walk in boldness. And that's not, I'm not saying that that's necessarily you got to say tonight from today on, I'm going to be a bold person. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you encounter the Holy Spirit, literally it changes you. It transforms you. All of a sudden there's a, there's a, there's literally, um, there's literally a, you know, a spirit that comes on you. Things that you are ashamed and embarrassed to step into. Some of us in this place, the reason why we're stuck is because it's a dream that's in our heart, but we're so timid to step into it. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He takes away that shame. He takes, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is He takes away shame. And can I just say this? Some of us, we think we, a lot of, lot of things we call humility is not humility. It's timidity. And, and this is the thing, the Holy Spirit separates that and changes that when He comes upon us. He removes that, that that's, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. For God has not given you that, 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 that fear thing that you've been cap, capitalizing on, that fear thing that's become a huge part of your personality, that fear thing that's become the pet kitten that you take everywhere. Tonight, we're going to set you free from that, right? Tonight, we're going to let go of the kitten. Tonight, we're saying, God, you've not given me a spirit of fear. That fear that you have, that you have, you have put as wisdom is not wisdom. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Number three, the third thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is you get what, you, what I call a touch of God. A touch of God. Now this is sort of controversial in some circles and I, I hear a lot of pastors that say, yeah, I want the Holy Spirit, but I want it, want it to happen in this format. And, and I get it because sometimes the Holy Spirit can disrupt even when I'm preaching a message. Sometimes it's a bit inconvenient. I had three more points to go and he just turns up and things change and, 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 and all of that. But we need to understand this. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said this, he said, the Holy Spirit comes, he should fill you. John says this about Jesus, fill you with the Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit and fire. Some of us have the Holy Spirit, we've got no power. Some of us have the Holy Spirit, but there is no fire. And fire is that zeal, that, that, that intensity that comes from the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit comes, you get a touch of God. What do, what do we mean by that? Sometimes we've had services where, and I'm not saying this to sort of say this is the expectation tonight, these five things need to happen, and then I know we've had a Holy Spirit service. Sometimes we have a Holy Spirit service, and nothing happens on the outside, but there's a whirlwind, whirlwind happening on the inside. Uh, other times we have a Holy Spirit service and a lot of stuff is happening in the physical. We've had people that fall under the power. We've had people that, 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 that cry uncontrollably. We've had people that laugh and, and things like that. And sometimes I, the laughing thing was a weird one. I was just like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But a lot of times it's got to do with people that's got severe depression, severe anxiety, that God is removing a, a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of depression and putting upon him a mantle of joy. And so I think we need to be careful on what we judge as God and what we judge as is in God and all that. I just want to encourage us, let's be open to the touch of God. I want to take a moment to talk about this revival. There's been so many revivals 
over the years, Azusa Street, the Welsh Revival. But I want to talk about this particular revival called the Shangtung Revival, which happened in China. And the reason I want to talk about this revival was because it was actually not a Pentecostal revival. It was a Baptist revival. In fact, the, the, the Southern Baptists call it the greatest revival in Baptist history. And I want to give you the context of it. A bunch of missionaries traveled to China and they were trying to evangelize this, this province in China, the Shangtung province. And, and I, want to, I want to explain to you the state of the church, not the state of the nation. Churches were empty during summer, literally. People just wanted to go about doing things. People were addicted to opium and prostitution was common in the church. I'm talking about a church, the, the churches in this province in China. This is the context in which these Baptist missionaries are going in. It became so horrible that the Baptist missionaries stopped preaching and started teaching English just as a means of trying to do something in China, right? 10 years they're doing this. They start hearing about the Azusa revival. It's sort of happening at the same time. They say, hear about Azusa, Azusa revival and they start praying. It starts with a woman. It's incredible. When you study revival, it all, there's, there's always a woman in there. It starts with a woman. She starts praying and, and literally, there's literally a team of 10 people start praying. And the reason we want to point this out is because if you look at every revival, be it Azusa Street, be it the Welsh revival, it never started with 300 people. It starts with 10. It starts with 12. And in Acts 19, the Ephesian church started with 12 men. That became 3,000. That became 5,000, right? So I'm saying this because sometimes we think a move of God means big crowds. A move of God means, you know, it's all happening and the front's all packed and thousands of people. No, every move of God started this way. And here's the crazy part, right? In this revival, uh, there was tongues in this revival. There was manifestations of the Spirit, people falling. In this tongues, there was laughter. But when they teach, they teach about this revival today in Baptist universities and in Baptist Bible colleges, and they've removed all of that. They prayed, and then these many churches were planted, and these many people got saved, but they've completely censored all of that because it seems a lot more Pentecostal than Baptist-like. It's crazy how the greatest revival in Baptist history was a revival that contained all of these, all of these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, right? Out of that revival, churches were planted, missionaries were birthed, mission centers and bases were started. It became, it began to influ influence the churches back in America. And it actually quite got a bit controversial. But here's what I'm trying to say. It started with a manifestation but it always ends with a revelation. And sometimes we're like, I want the revelation, I don't want the manifestation. What if it's both? What if it's both? And I just want to keep, I just want, I just want you to open up your hearts to say, some of, the, some of the craziest things I've had to do over the years where God, God you know, the, someone's preaching, God says, I want you to respond to the altar call, but, but Lord, I'm the, I'm the senior pastor of the church and I should be doing that, the pastoral thing where other people are, are being prayed for and I've got to be catching people. God says, Alwyn, you've got to be the hungriest guy in your church. And I just want to challenge every person in this room saying, how hungry are you? How, how desperate are you? It, it's like the whole thing about David where he danced before God and, and, and his wife comes up to him and says, how dare you do that? And he says these words. He says, I will be even more undignified than this. And I'm not saying do something for the sake of doing something. 
That's all I'm saying. I am saying if God's leading you, if God is doing something, be open to it. Every great move of God began when people began to bring a hungry heart to His presence. The fourth thing that happens when the Holy Spirit comes is you get a bigger vision. A bigger vision. I want to ask you a question tonight. If God answered all your prayers tonight, would there be any change in your city? Would there be any change in Roma? Would there be any change in our state? Would there be any change on planet Earth? If God answered, yeah, maybe you better bigger home, better car, better job, maybe you get a holiday on the beach. Like, if God answered all your prayers tonight, right, would the world be a different place? And this is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes out and begins to happen. I remember as a 14-year-old, again, I feel like I feel like talking a lot about myself, but as a 14-year-old, I began to have a picture of a world map, and I began to pray into that. I'd go to bed with a world map by my side, because it's, it's crazy when, when you, you may be 14, you may be 15, you may be 75, but when God fills your heart, He gives you a bigger vision. Some of you are like, well, I guess I'm too old. Smith Biggles, Bigglesworth, a plumber, for 48 years was a plumber, but he, when, he gets, when he got filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 48, from 48 to 75 changed the world went on to plant churches, went on to raise 17 people from the dead, which is not bad from a, for a plumber, right? And, and here's what I'm trying to say. Don't let your, as long as you're, 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 you're between whatever age, the age of 120, you qualify. You qualify to be, if you're 121, we'll consider you too. So don't worry, right? Here's what I'm trying to say. Let's be open. Let's be open. Let's begin to dream big. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you begin to get bigger vision. All of a sudden, you literally start saying crazy prayers. Like, God, I want to see the world changed. God, I want to see my city changed. God, I want to see my region changed. You start saying prayers like, God, I want to see my school saved. God, I want to see my friends saved. You start saying wild prayers of that kind. You start praying radical prayers that, 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 that even if, if, someone, if someone were to read your journal, they'd feel nervous reading your prayers. Because it's, it's, it's so big that, and it's so impossible that you know that without God in that equation, it's not going to happen. When the Holy Spirit comes, you begin to get a bigger vision for the world. Begin to get a bigger vision for your town. Begin to get a bigger vision for your city. Begin to get a bigger vision for your state. Get a, get a bigger vision for your school. You get, a, you get to get a bigger vision for your church. You get to get a bit, big, bigger vision for your, for, your, for your home, for your family. It's that, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. He just, he just expands the possibility of what He can do in and through your life. It's amazing. That's God's heart for us. And so maybe you might ask, what do I need to do? And it's literally one thing, hunger. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. That's God's guarantee that that when we are hungry for Him, He's there. When we are thirsty for Him, He turns up. And, and that's my heart for us tonight that, you know, I do not know what 2020 has been like for you or 2021 or 2022, but what I can say is for a lot of us, it might be time to get a, get a touch from God, to say, God, I, I, I need a fresh touch from you tonight. I need your presence tonight. I'm hungry for you tonight. 
I'm thirsty. You know, one of the greatest challenges that I have, even as a pastor, is, is, is relying on the old stories, on the old things that happen. On the, I've got to go before God constantly and say, God, keep my heart tender before you. God, fill me one more time. Fill me with your presence, Lord. I, I, I want that childlike faith of a 14-year-old. Fill me. Fill me one more time, God. God, speak to me, Lord. Let me never get used to your presence. Let me never get comfortable to what you're doing. Let me never start operating like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. Well, let's let, I've seen that. I, I've, I've heard that sermon before. I've heard that scripture before. Oh, we've sung that song before. Pastor Shane's wearing that T-shirt, worn that T-shirt before. <laughs> right? Right. Let, let's never... <laughs> Even he's laughing. <laughs> let, let's never... Let's, let's never get used to what God is doing because God, my friend, is always doing a new thing. Always doing a new thing. And I just sense, I, I can sense hunger in this room already, but, but I just want to encourage you tonight that God is here, that God is near, and I like what Smith Wigglesworth says, God is more eager to answer your prayer than you are to pray. For whatever hunger level you bring, God's got twice to that ready for you. Saying, I want to fill you. I want to fill you with a dream. I want to fill you with a vision. I want to fill you with a hope. I want to fill you with, with something that is so impossible to achieve that, that, that you'll need me in the equation. So, Father, I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you, God, that you are here. Holy Spirit, we are hungry. Lord, you love this church. You love this church. You love this family. You love this region. You love this town. You love Roma. You have a destiny for this place. And I thank you, God, that every person in this room, that you've marked them tonight in a special way. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this room. Father, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 